You are listening to the Kickouts Cover It podcast presented by Stefan Carlin. Hello and welcome to the very first edition of the Kickout podcast. The Kickout podcast is a podcast hosted uh, by us, the Kickout, the newest, I suppose, wrestling. I, I don't know what you would say a, a wrestling. I don't know what you guys would call it a wrestling group, a, a you know, a wrestling community. I, I don't know how we would put it, but we are here to talk about all things professional wrestling. Um, on today's podcast, I'm joined by three of the main guys that we have. It's Kenny, Lewis, and JJ. Guys, how you doing? Pretty good. Uh, yeah, I'm doing good. Selling my local Gucci flip-flops if you want to go to the website. $5 a month for a new pair. I love it. Absolutely love it. Um, so if you're obviously if you're going to be listening to us for the first time, then I do urge you to go and follow us on our Twitter handle, which because I'm such a professional, I know it off by hand, and it's uh, at it's the kickout. So yeah, go and follow us over there if you've not done so already. Um, so I suppose without further ado, um. Do you guys just want to quickly introduce yourselves and say what, what your interests in professional wrestling are? Who wants to start? Start with um, Yeah, yeah, Kenny. Okay. Um, my name is uh, Kenny. Uh, you can call me Kenny. Um, I've started watching wrestling since a very young age. I started with, I actually started with the WWE video games. Um, but then I started watching it with TNA. Grew up with superstars like AJ Styles, Samoa Joe, um, on the female side, Velvet Sky. Got into WWE roundabout when I was 10, and I just haven't stopped watching it since. I now watch WWE, AEW, TNA, everything on the market besides uh, besides nothing, really. Okay. Lewis? Um, yeah, so it was Lewis. Um, I started watching, I think, my first show was WrestleMania 28 and it's only because my uncle watched it so um, but I've kind of always been WWE I mean I watched Bullet Club and that shenanigans that went on but um, it's always just been WWE but um, I mean my favourite I mean all time probably Adam Cole Uh, Becky Lynch as well very sad that she's gone Um, but yeah I just I watch AEW now of course um, and try to keep updated with Impact, but it's not really as good as the other two. But, uh, yeah. Okay. Uh, JJ? Yeah, I'm JJ. I uh, I fell in love with wrestling at a very young age, and I was always into the video games, and that's actually how we all met. I am more pro AEW now these days because, I don't know, I just – always liked the new Japan stuff from the Bullet Club. I liked watching being the elite on YouTube and it just carried over seeing the excitement of uh, AEW launching and I've just been kept there ever since. So like most of my stuff is catered towards AEW. Okay. Um, I suppose it's on to me now. Uh, I'm Stefan. Um, I, I suppose I, I watched wrestling from a, from a young age um, but never really like 
got into it until maybe 2005, 2006, um, right around the time John Cena and Edge were feuding for the WWE Championship. Um, that's one of my earliest you know, memories of actually sitting down with my brother and, and watching it. But yeah, my main interest is um, WWE, but also I've got I had a small interest in AEW, um, but I suppose it's it's mostly WWE these days. Um, so I suppose the introductions are out the way. Shall we move on to our first talking point? Yeah, I uh, I wanted to get under the way with actually the opposing of what I just came out and said of of WWE point instead of an AEW point. Uh, I wanted to talk about retribution and and my feelings towards like. I just, I'm tired of these angles of, of this outsider group comes in and they, they either tear up shop or they just go crazy and either they recruit somebody or the somebody is revealed as being somebody from the opposing force the whole time. And it's, it's harkens back to NWO, the outsiders that then evolved into TNA's version of NWO that evolved into uh, aces and eights, which kind of crossed over and you saw stuff with, nexus and core and like we've seen this storyline over and over again and it's just like the newest evolution in this copycat formula you know yeah i think they've topped it off by making it even worse with the nicknames that have come out i mean that's just i mean it just makes people laugh they don't really take it seriously anymore Uh, Retribution, I love the fact that you filled it with NXT members, not really keen on the uh, contract side of it because we all know who they are. It kind of takes away from the legitimacy, but I can't speak highly enough about people like Dominic Dajkovic, uh, Dion Madden, Mia Yim, Mercedes Martinez. I think they're a very talented bunch. Um I kind of find it hard to take them seriously when they just come in, come in wreck shop, and then just lose legitimate matches. Yeah, yeah. I feel like that's why Nexus would have worked if they hadn't have been squashed. Which I feel like this is already going to happen with Retribution, so it's not really anything serious. Yeah, no, definitely. Um, I feel like it's similar to what JJ said. It is very much a, a copycat um, of you know previous factions that have been done. I mean, look at Nexus came in absolutely wrecked the place. Um, you know, put guys like John Cena, uh, CM Punk, I think, um, put put them down on their their debut on the roster, and um, then it just kind of gradually like. I suppose snowballed into absolutely nothing. Um, I think by the end of 2010, you know, Wade Barrett was no longer part of it. Justin Gabriel wasn't part of it. He's like, I think the only original member left was David Otunga. It's like, I, I, I don't know how much more. I think it's a, I think it's a thing where um, I think it's definitely got upsides to it. Um, whether retribution is gonna are they gonna come in and wreck house in this one? Uh, what they're gonna do with um, you know messing with the intro or messing with the light? And I think it's quite cool. Um, my only issue with it is when they start ruining matches that I actually want to see. I mean, Raw's so littered with stuff like promos and unlimited advertisements. When they start messing up matches like Keith Lee and Drew McIntyre, it gets to the point where okay, it's a bit of a piss take. 
Yeah, that, that really bugged me um, because I, I really wanted to see the match between Keith Lee and Drew McIntyre. I thought that's got, you know, all the, uh, you know, all the makings for a great match, and then it, it was ruined because of, you know, forcing retribution in. My biggest issue with all of it is we literally have seen this exact angle step by step with the aces and eights, and I keep bringing it up not to be like monotonous with it but like it's we've genuinely seen this before the people in the hoods the people coming in like with members and members looking like a biker gang like hell they've tried this before with uh what with sanity before and it was just very odd i feel that it's it's blatant like you're just gonna try the same formula like these biker game ripoff people who want to tear up and then their motivation was like revealed to be oh they're mad because people want to wrestle for money and it's 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 I don't, I don't know it's just we've seen it's like a trope throughout wrestling that keeps happening and it's like more hurtful that they keep portraying the same stuff because people are just going to get bored and they're not going to want to watch it i think it was i don't know who it was said that said earlier about their legitimacy like their point was to come in and they didn't like people wrestling for money but here they are now officially under contract and it's like, well, you know, there's your first, there's your first like statement. It's the first thing you've said to the public is we don't like these people. They're wrestling for money. They're 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 making fame and fortune from it. But here you are now, exactly doing doing the exact same. It, it, it's counter, very much counterproductive in my opinion. I think it's a bit abysmal as well that you're we're supposed to believe they're going to be signed on the contracts when they're trying to ruin your company. Yeah, exactly. It makes it makes no sense. It's like you've just you've essentially just put like a knife right through your your balloon of hype. There is no room for backstage stuff, like behind the scenes business stuff in wrestling anymore. Like there is, I feel like the whole contract disputes, contract signings. People genuinely just want to see the action and barely promos anymore, right? So it's why are we wasting time just just showing like, hey, a contract signing, hey, we're signing this person. Just have them show up. They don't need a reason. Like if if you have Chris Jericho somehow show up on Raw that's going to draw numbers and people get so excited way more than you announcing it a week before being just signed Chris Jericho. He's going to debut at raw. Like it's doesn't, it's They've just done that a lot recently actually on social media, like announcing stuff before it happens. Like you're taking the buzz out of it then. It's like they've lost the uh, definition of shock value. And yeah. it's like Vince McMahon's lost his mind on, marketing which is quite strange because he's usually a mastermind at that okay um i you know i, I definitely I, I definitely feel like what you're saying there kenny it, it, you know shock value has it, it doesn't seem that there's there's any more of it left um not to stay on this topic for far too much longer um but you know, what do you guys make of it? I believe, you know, former Raw commentator Dio Madden is a part of Retribution. I think, Kenny, you said about Mia Yim, Mercedes Martinez, uh, Dominic Dijakovic. You know, what do you make of all these guys coming up and, and actually being a part of, part, part of Retribution? Someone who uh, regularly watches NXT, um, I am, whilst also a little sceptical because they don't know what to do with real talent, um, I'm more than happy to see them on TV every week. It really 
but no matter how good you are, um, prime examples are like Ricochet, Cedric Alexander. It doesn't matter how good you are in the company or how good you are wrestling ability-wise. If you have a shit character, there's nothing you can really do with it unless you want to be a comedy act. I mean, in fairness, look at Baron Corbin, though. Uh, you know, that guy has a... In my opinion, he is a absolutely shit character, but he's managed to, to do something with it. You know, he's, he, he's, I feel like me, for me, he comes across on the microphone as very bland, very boring, but he's, he's managed to, to build a character out of it. But me personally, I don't really look at him and take him seriously as like a main event. He's more like a full guy rather than oh, a competitor. Yeah. Um, any final comments on Retribution? Um, just on the name side, I mean, I, I don't know what they were doing, really. Not a fan, then. I, I can't, like, I, I wish I could remember some of them. They were just that bad, but, I mean, why didn't we just stick to the names they had in NXT? I mean, we know who these guys are through yeah. NXT. It's like something like Slapjack. Yeah. <laughs> something with a dash in it. Uh, Mace. Mace was one of them. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I, I just want to, I want to go back to the hacker angle. <laughs> just ditch it. Does it not remind you of like names from these guys on like Payday, like on on PS4, like like me, something, Payday, Clover, Hoxton. Yeah, yeah. Don't give them ideas for me, Yim, and whatnot. Don't do that. On the hacker thing, what happened with that? Is that was that it's potentially still a thing? It's like they haven't. It's not like anybody said it's dead in the water. It's not like they're moving it. It's it's like. It's it's just weird. Like it's a, you remember how Goldust potentially not not Goldust. What was that fucking shit? Um, sorry for cursing. Fuck. Don't apologize. It's all right. All right. Um, <laughs> back in the day, they had the, the like hidden camera stuff on Raw. It was like called uh, G something, G TV, I think, or whatever. And it would they just catch like backstage people and embarrassing stuff but there was never no comeuppance for it they never found who was the hacker this yeah. is literally that again I, I, I truly I truly do believe um, besides the obvious joke like oh it's CM Punk it's CM Punk um, I've, I honestly still to this day believe it was Ali but they ran out of ideas and just put him on main events yeah um, I, I think I it was someone it was big, but no crowds would have effectively ruined like him coming out as the hacker because you're not going to have a crowd there to, to be shocked. Yeah. But wouldn't it like this be the perfect time to do a hacker angle in the Thunderdome, though? Yeah, it would. Because of all the, all the LED equipment, essentially. I feel like this would be the perfect time. Like you could have a hacker just like hack all the screens on the on the uh, like around the Thunderdome. All these fans that are watching suddenly get turned into like a mysterious face or something, and it's just the hacker watching a match or something, and that's how they debut themselves. Like I don't know, that'd have been anything better than what's happening with Retribution. Just projects Chris Benoit on the screen. <laughs> oh God. <laughs> 
Um, okay, so we'll, we've spoke a little bit about retribution there, then being under contract, you know, that the members kind of being released. Um, let's move on to then, you know, their feud, I suppose, with the heart business. What do we make of that? Because I've seen on Raw, I think it wasn't Monday there, it was a Monday before, um, Adam Pierce said to, he was chatting backstage to the Hurt Business and they offered up their services for money, of course. And um, now it's, it's came into this, this feud, Monday Night Raw, you know, the, the Hurt Business got attacked at the start of Raw and then during Raw, they attacked Retribution. But what do we make of this? Where do we see that feud going? I hope it's an actual proper feud. Yeah. I've got a lot to say about the herd business. Uh someone who who was watching Impact when MVP was there, uh, watching some of his Hill stuff. I'm really glad I'm able to watch him go off on people on the VIP lounge and just talk talk the talk. I don't even care if he can't really wrestle anymore. He is honestly one of the best talkers in the business today. Um, I will, I'm very happy Shelton Benjamin has a main event role. I've always been a massive fan of Shelton. Um, always loved Cedric and he really rocks that suit and all the attention's been taken off on Bobby Lashley and that's exactly what he needs. I love the Hurt Business right now. And their song's great. I love their song. I think that's one of the good things on Raw at the moment because you can't really name a lot of stuff they've done 100% right, but her business must be one of them. Yep, no, I agree. Uh, I think the Hurt business has been something good for, for you know, WWE television. I think the involvement of bringing Cedric Alexander into the fold has made it even better. Um, and as Kenny said, he does. He's absolutely rocking that suit, looking suave as hell. Um, so now I'm definitely interested to see where it goes um, because I think, as Kenny said, the I suppose the all the spotlight, if you will, was on Bobby Lashley. It was, you know, and now it's been it's been taken off of him, which is good, and that the load has been spread. So now I'm looking forward to the feud. I suppose anything to do with the heart business, I'm looking forward to. But I don't know if I'm looking forward to it necessarily being against retribution. Um, what if what if retribution, and hear me out, is supposed to be crap, and it's a filler angle for the hurt business to squash, so they show that they're a top brand. I could see that. I think think it'd just make it more of a waste, really, because of all the stuff they've done. I'm mainly just happy with the Hurt business because of um, Cedric Alexander. I honestly believe if he continues on this role, he can become a main event star. Um, And and I've said this about other people that you you might think I'm ridiculous for saying this now. I've said this about people like Leo Rush and Isaiah Swerve Scott, who aren't taken seriously because of the roles they've been given. But I've watched them on the indies be main champions elsewhere, and I know they can be that guy. And I honestly believe Cedric has the platform to now get to that level, and I'm ecstatic about it. 
Okay. Um, yeah, I, I agree with those sentiments, Kenny. Um, all right, let's move on. We spoke a fair, a fair bit about retribution. Um, let's move on to another feud that's happening in WWE at the moment, which is the Seth Rollins and the Mysterio family feud. Now, obviously, that started, I think that started back in Raw a couple of months ago when Seth Rollins crushed Rey Mysterio's eye, obviously, into the the steel steps um, and now it's, it's it's snowballed into something good where Dominic Mysterio has come into the fold what do we think about that feud in particular and where do we see it going I, I remember when they announced the Dominic Mysterio he was like stopping his dad from retiring and, and he was like I'm going to be tag team champs with my dad just like you were tag team champs with your dad and and I was looking forward to that. Honestly, I was like, yo, that's that's a good way. Like, hey, they're telling us they're training him. He's going to do something good. This this program has honestly trailed on for so long. I've, I've seen – it's not an issue. Like, I don't have an issue with either of them as a wrestler. I just feel that Dominic should have been the focus of his debut. And he's getting beat by Seth clean – and like he'll get the upper hand with a weapon and stuff and he'll still get beat and it's it's like he should have more of an impact if he's coming to save his dad and it's his family either has to come and save his ass and like it's it's really not a good setup for the person who's supposed to be the quote-unquote next in line for the Rey Mysterio like family kingdom or whatever they're calling it or like the dynasty you know yeah no, definitely. Um, what I pick up what you're saying there about Seth Rollins beating him clean. I didn't expect to see that at all. Um, especially their match was at SummerSlam. Um, you know, I expected Rollins to win, but I expected him to win, you know, cheaply. Um, you know, something you know that that would be typical of a heel. But no, I, I believe from memory, I think he he beat him clean, um, which. Which isn't good, and then that's when I thought maybe that's when the rivalry would end. But then the very next night on Raw, they're they're feuding again. It's like you can see it has gone on for a bit too long. Um, I don't know what Lewis or Kenny, what you guys think. Um, I feel they've kind of um, they've kind of used and abused certain stars like Alistair Black and Humberto Carrillo, Kevin Owens in this feud. And it doesn't help where they're going. But as far as Dominic Mysterio goes, I've seen all of his matches and he's going to be a star. I don't know if that's because Murphy and Rollins have helped him, but it's unbelievable like how good he is at that age. Kenny? I think it's had its crap moments. Um, for example, Seth Rollins' uh, custody promo uh, yesterday, I believe it was, um, that eye for an eye match. But I see so many positives with the storyline, despite going on for so long. It's put, it's put Murphy in a main event role. Um, it's brought up Dominic Mysterio and put him on TV. Um, and Leah, the daughter's got a role now. I'm very interested in that. Alistair Black has a new character. Um, it's done a lot, so I'm not going to be complaining about it. Especially when you, I'll touch on the Aaliyah um, in a second. Um, but for Aliester, Alistair Black, I call him Aliester, I don't know why. Um, for Alistair Black, you know, 
his he's totally changed now. Like that attack has left him from being a, a baby face to now a heel and now feuding with Kevin Owens. Um so it's definitely, you know, it's it's given it's shun a spotlight on him. Um Murphy, again, someone that was highly underused but, you know, worked hard to to try and get to where he wanted to be and I'm glad he's been used now. Um, on Dominic Mysterio, I, I think it was only a matter of time before WWE actually reintroduced him like into their, their program and after 2005 with Eddie Guerrero. Um, I always felt like he, he would come back into WWE storyline after um, I think about 15 years. Um, I, I don't know how I feel about him, in fairness. I find he, he's good in the ring, but I think on the mic, it needs a lot of work for me, in my opinion. 100%. I, th- I think there's nothing worse than having, you know, someone that's, you know, can walk the walk but can't talk the talk, if that if that makes sense. I will disagree with that. I think there's no one worse who can talk the talk, but can't walk the walk. Enzo Morris. <laughs> no, I meant in terms of, you know, he's able to, to walk the walk, he's able to wrestle, he's able to do that, but he just can't do the other side of talking the talk as well. Um, but maybe that was the wrong analogy to use. Um <sighs> Just trying to think if there's anything more on the the Rollins stuff. Where do we see this angle going? Um, you know, that we saw on Raw on Monday night. It was he, he was talking about custody. He was talking about Aaliyah. She walked away after Seth uh, after Rey Mysterio, saying that she doesn't know anything about this business. Um, where do we see that going from now? Is she going to start to wrestle? I see the angle going in one way after I saw something on Raw. I saw the daughter go check on Murphy before going to check on the brother. I will bet you dime to dollars either she joins up with Seth Rollins or she's the reason that Buddy Murphy turns on Seth and helps Dominic kick the victory, which is going to put less, which is going to hurt Dominic's career even worse. My uh, sentiments exactly, um, but I don't. I think it will go the other way. I think she'll join with Rollins. Uh, do you know, we like Rollins, Murphy, and Aaliyah, and I see that being very straight edge society again. I, I don't know why. I can just in, envisage it. Um, you know, Rollins playing CM Punk's role of the Messiah. Uh, I don't know. I can just see it going that way more than than the other way that you that you suggested, JJ. Um, any other comments on this? I agree with the straight edge society one. I think that's where they're going towards. Okay. Um, the next topic that we can touch on um, is, again, it's another thing from Monday Night Raw. It's Andrade and Angel Garza um, Jr. We've seen in recent weeks that that relationship hasn't been the strongest. You know, I think it was retribution... Um, attacked uh, Andrade and Garza walked away you know it's not the strongest now Selena Vegas obviously she's going to be facing uh, Asuka for the the Raw Women's Championship this Sunday uh, Clash of Champions what do we make of this whole whole scenario 
Um, I believe Andrade and Angel Garza have lost their main selling point in Zolina Vega, who used to do all the talking, uh, used to have all the reactions, used to be the main reason to watch, really. I mean, they're amazing in the ring, but they just don't have any interest in character development rather than Zelina, who is now gone. And she has a push now. I used to watch TNA uh, when she was Rosalina. She was amazing, and I'm ecstatic. She's now got a kickoff match, which she's, which she's going to lose. <laughs> Wait, hold on. The kickoff, is that for the title? Yeah. Yes. Oh, my God. Could you be any more disrespectful to the women's title than putting it on the kickoff? I mean, come on. Um, JJ, what are your thoughts on that? I think from the context of thinking forward for the wrestler, and it's more of, number one, in context of WWE, who is Zelina Vega besides a manager? And it's like she didn't wrestle. She didn't really do much. And, yes, I get she was Rosalina in TNA, and I obviously the fans are smart to that, but it's like you can't just present her walking up to Asuka without being like, hey, I'm not just a manager. It's more of just like I'm focusing on me now. You can't – if you're trying to portray this like as like an actual challenge, you can't just portray her being like, I'm just going to jump from manager to, to wrestler. It's It kind of makes it seem like she's obviously going to lose. And then you put it on a kickoff show, which is super disrespectful to – to the title because you can't especially like if you put it on like a main title like something you're supposed to take serious like this is the problem with having so many main quote-unquote titles in wwe with like the two men one the two female one the two separate um tag team ones and then the one tag team female one it's like you're gonna have to segregate some time or unless you want to have every show be title 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 so I don't think the the ideas be disrespectful, but it's more obvious than not that you should have segregated another match other than the women's championship match. And I'm thinking Lashley versus Apollo Crews because I feel like that's going to be an obvious result. Yeah. Yeah, I I think so too. Um, All right, well, we've touched on Selena Vega, Andrade, Angel Garza. Um, We touched a little bit on Aliester. Sorry, we touched a little bit earlier on Alistair Black and the Kevin Owens feud that's kind of started. Let's go in depth about that. Let's talk about it. Are we happy to see this match take place? Or do you think it, it maybe it's not the right time for it? It's bad for one man and that one man's Kevin Owens. I mean, I think, didn't he beat Seth Rollins at WrestleMania? Um, uh, did he? I can't remember. Yes. And Seth Rollins went to face the WWE champion and now he's in the main event and Kevin Owens went on to do nothing and now he's going to get beaten by this new Alistair Black character. So for me, I mean, it's going to be a good match. I mean, both are phenomenal wrestlers, but surely there's someone else that's maybe in a better position for Alistair Black, uh, Black to beat right now. Yeah, no, I, I, I think Kevin Owens is getting the uh, Alexa Bliss treatment of receiving a talk show, uh, not really doing anything in the ring with all the talent in the world. 
I feel like he's just gonna go down to this new version of Alistair Black, not really get anything out of it. And I'm gonna continue to be sad. Yeah. No, I'm definitely sad. Um I think his best time at work in the company um was when he first came in uh well, to the main roster, I think when he if you did with John Cena. Um then obviously winning the title, being with Jericho. You know, they they were great times. Um I think this feud with Shane McMahon, I enjoyed that. I liked the the whole pipe bomb thing that he did. Um I thought that was quite cool. It was good. But I I, I feel like for this I don't think this is the right feud for him. Um it's good for uh, Alistair Black, but it's, as you said, Lewis, I don't think it's gonna end well for him. Um JJ, what's your thoughts on it? I'm glad that out there doing something more with Alistair because he's just, I don't know, I feel like he's such a cool character and we don't really have too many characters in WWE that are like just cool, like awe-inspiring. Like we had Undertaker, Kane in the Attitude Era. We had Triple H with his WrestleMania entrance. It makes matches feel big. Finn Balor, when he goes demon, it makes these things more of events and it helps even break up some monotonies and shows like you have regular matches and and then you have oh these are the events and i think to take him in more of a more person not not a more personal i think to to bring him into this more cerebral approach where he's just gonna be like crazy and attacking and stuff like that is awesome when when he was on the first talk show but from that point they really do need to keep presenting him as strong or else he's going to lose that event factor and he's just going to become regular old Alistair Black, which he was. Like, if being completely honest, it kind of put him back into that, Not, I'm not going to say jobber because that's completely rude, but like it put him into that state of just being a regular old WWE superstar right when he was in that feud with with Rey Mysterio before he got hurt. So they have an opportunity to build him up again, but it sees where they go. Yeah, no, I agree with that. Um have we got any I suppose final thoughts on this feud? Uh, I think I mean no 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 I think I think we've said everything on the Alistair Buck and Owens rivalry. Um, let's move on then to um, one of Raw Underground's hottest prospects, Dabba Kato. Uh, big guy, absolutely massive. Um, feuded on Monday night with uh, Braun Strowman. What are we thinking about this guy? He looks monstrous, doesn't he? Good old Babatunde. Um He's very interested on the mic. He's got a very interesting ring style, no-nonsense kick your ass, give you a wedgie type of superstar. Uh, Putting him on this Raw Underground, I believe, definitely excels it. But my thoughts on Raw Underground is fake fighting, trying to be real. It's kind of like trying to excel something that belongs in the toilet. Very brutally honest um, way to put it. Um... I think for me, Raw Underground is... It's not something you want to see, from from my opinion. It's like people know that wrestling is... I'm not going to use the word fake, but it's, it's 
it's scripted. We know that when they throw punches, the punches don't actually, you know, hurt. So it's like, why are we trying to portray this as, you know, you know, like some under underground fight club when it is really not? Do you know what I mean? I will say, are you familiar with the brawl for all? I is the brawl for all back in like the fucking at. The Brawl for All back in the Attitude Era was legitimately the worst idea because it got people hurt and they try to portray it as real and people, which it was, but then it told everybody else, hey, nothing else is real. So doing this again is, it's, and making it obviously a shoot again, not a shoot, I mean, making it. Doing this again and making this a simulated, like, crazy real event is almost harmful to the, like, product again. Like, it's, it's why are you doing this? You're making it seem like, oh, hey, like, Dolph Ziggler is going to get rammed crazy by Braun Strowman and, and I forget the other person's name, but they're in the middle of a, of a competitive match and Braun Strowman comes in and beat scrap out of them. Obviously, both of that, what that does is make Braun look strong again, which is fine, but it makes Dolph look crazy weak because he almost just got beaten. He was like, he was, he had to, he was wrestling the dude, but he was getting like the crap kicked out of him for a majority of it from somebody who hasn't really been on raw. Somebody who's been on, I think NXT majority of the time, but not somebody who has been portrayed as at his level. And it's, you're really undermining people. And that's all this stuff does. Do we feel like perhaps Raw Underground is nothing more than a time filler then? Um, Monday nights uh, for Raw are three hours. Is Raw Underground essentially uh, something in there to fill the time up? I don't don't agree with that. Um, I think it's it's great to get other superstars onto TV like Marina Shafir, Jessamyn Duke, Davikato, Babatunde, but you're putting them on TV to get their ass kicked. So, I, it's not like it's filler. It's not like I think it's terrible. It's just, why is it there? Yeah. Okay. I actually really like the idea. Um, only because it's different, and I mean, they're not doing different recently. They've just been doing the same old garbage, but the only downside to me is Shane McMahon. I mean, why are we still seeing him on our screens in 2020? The best in the world, Shane McMahon. Oh, stop, please don't. not some bias from you, Lewis, or like, you're not really a McMahon guy. You, is, is that maybe just your bias creeping out? Look, I just... I just don't like him. I really don't. <laughs> nah, um, it's fair enough. I'm I'm really glad they've stopped announcing him as the best in the world. That, that was so. They cool. haven't. They haven't. <laughs> no, they mentioned they mentioned it on commentary. Um, uh, Jerry the King Lawler. He, he went, oh, the best in the world. And I think it was Tom Phillips went, oh, don't start that again. <laughs> I, I, I can uh, resonate with Tom Phillips' feelings there. Um, okay, uh, well, Touched on Dabakato, uh, Raw Underground. Let's move on then to the um, 
the mountainous man in Keith Lee. Uh, he, he looks like an absolute monster again. Um, well, for me, I, you know, first time I realised this guy, I said it was at Survivor Series, um, and he put on one hell of a hell of a show in the the traditional five on five match. Um, what, what do we make about him? He's now up on the main roster. He's he sort of introverted himself in with. Randy Orton and, and Drew McIntyre a little bit. What are we thinking about this? Okay, it is such a fresh push to have somebody who was a fan favorite from NXT be pushed as a dominant fan favorite on Raw and not be given the oh he's buried within a match or two or he's he's forgotten about within a month. Like consistently, every single time he was put on when he got on uh, the Royal Rumble, he was portrayed as a monster. When he was on NXT, he was a monster. And now he was pushing the limits against everybody he's ran through on Raw. And it's so refreshing because it's not like we have to deal with, oh, only Braun's going to come in and squash people. Only Brock Lesnar's going to come in and put up an actual decent fight. No, it's like, hey, these this this dude's here and he's like he's new and he's different from what you guys have seen because he's done high flyer stuff he's he's doing all this stuff that these other people got away with on the indies but had to put away for, to get through the wwe system and now he's just been like oh hey i'm gonna just keep doing it and that's just awesome i love the way you your, your play on words there saying that he's pushing through the limits because he's a the limitless one i love that um, no, yeah, I agree with your sentiments there, JJ. I don't think there's much that, that I could add to that. Um, Keith Lee, I honestly believe, is one of the most important, influential stars to come through NXT. The only man to hold the NXT and the NXT North American title at the same time. He lost to um, he lost to Karrion Cross, and I thought, okay, uh, he's 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 done now. Um, but yes, uh, he's, he's, he's kind of broken the rule and he's, he's now a star like he should be. I just miss his stomach. Oh yeah. Dave ruined that big time. Would you then... No homo. (laughs) Would you be happy to see him be the person to take the the WWE title off of Drew McIntyre then? Yes, just don't 100%. push him too quickly. Okay, that's fair enough. Speaking of Drew McIntyre, what do we make of this feud with him and Randy Orton? Um, for me, I like to see Randy Orton back, uh, you know, I suppose in the, the main event picture. Um, he's been one of those guys for WWE. He's been very consistent. Uh, throughout his time in the company, for in my opinion, um, you know he's a, he's a is it thirteen or fourteen time world champion now? Uh, you know the guy is just beyond you know incredible. Um, do I think he should take the title from Drew McIntyre? No, not because I'm biased and want to show some love to to fellow Scotsman, but I, I don't think it's the it's a time for for him to, you know, to get his fifteenth or fourteenth world title. Um, I think 
I think the the, the honour should go to Keith Lee to take the title from Drew McIntyre, and I, I hope it's soon. Um, but but what do you guys think on the feud in general? I think it's a mess. Um, Retribution's on that. Randy Orton's promos have been outstanding. Uh, Drew McIntyre seems like one of the only people who's free from the company. Like he's just doing what he wants. Uh, limitless talent. Um, I just think the writers have gotten really lazy. Um, oh, I'm going to kick you in the head three times. Oh, I'm going to kick you ahead in the three times. I'm going to get you the third time out of nowhere. Like I- ironically, you know, um, I'm going to injure your jaw. Now I'm going to injure your jaw. Uh, it's just um, what else was I going to say I just it's just a mess Um, with Keith Lee um, oh with Randy Orton can't return but Keith Lee does win this match maybe he will be in the match it's 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 confusing and I'm not a fan of it Uh, but the match should be interesting what I'm not a fan of is, you know, 2008-2009, Randy Orton's punt kick was, you know, unveiled as this this kick that would put people on the shelf for months. You know, he did it to John Cena's dad. He did it to, you know, he, he did it to so many people. I think he did it to Vince McMahon. He, Vince McMahon wasn't on TV for like another nine months. But now all of a sudden he's done it to Drew McIntyre three times in the one night and Drew McIntyre's off TV for two weeks. Are you are you joking me? It's like they've totally under you know, undone all the work with how good a, a move that actually was. It's like 2K patched their game and put a 50% debuff on the punk kick. Yes, and I love that reference. I feel the punk kick legitimately was a move that it was like, oh, that was believable. Like, that you legit believe, like, hey, like, this dude got rocked. Like, he's down. He's going to be gone for a while. This is insane. And they took it away. Like you said, they took away the legitimacy of it. Like he can't just get back up when, when McMahon had to be carted out of there. When, when you did it to Stephanie and she was just laid out and she was, hasn't, wasn't seen for months. And when you did it to, to triple H and he was just on the ground, just face down, passed out. And then to have, I don't know. I don't know. Part of me feels like it's it's okay because it's just Drew you gave this to, but then at the same time, it's it's not just established to Drew because you did it with Sean. Sean got um, RKO'd or what was it, and he got kept getting back up. And it's like if you're just gonna take the value out of these people's moves, then we're just gonna stop believing that stuff's happening, you know? It's like why did they take the punt kick away? from Randy Orton in the first place and then you you realise it's because oh we don't want guys doing this in school and then I suppose they did it with Seth Rollins when they took away his curb stomp and it's like when they when they bring these back the the legitimacy of them you know has totally been taken away from it it really annoys me it's one of those things that, that bugs me about professional wrestling I I understand that since kayfabe kind of died like years and years ago that a lot of the stuff that it's going to be they're going to kind of take with a great assault i understand that but what i don't understand is when you just have common sense booking why not just book into common sense like just it's we understand that that narnia isn't real we can't go in in your closet and you're going to go in another world but the reader loves to believe 
So just stop being lazy and write with common sense of something that's just believable, you know? Yeah, 100%. Um, I don't have much more to say on, on this, this topic. Do, do you guys have anything final to add? Any final words? I think just, I, 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 kick matter. Oh, okay. I think just adding on to the legitimacy of the punk kick, they did they did it with so many other moves like Undertaker's tombstone. And I just don't feel like it's a pattern that's gonna end anytime soon. Yeah. Let's... Don't you think they've done it with finishes though? Um like you see more and more times that people are a finisher and it's not the end of the match. But yet yeah. ten years ago you see an RKO, you know it's over. It's like when you see it in a title match and it's like, uh, let's say Brock Lesnar versus Roman Reigns. Brock Lesnar hits an F5, Roman Reigns kicks out. Roman Reigns hits Lesnar with a spear, Lesnar kicks out. And it takes like three finishers to finish off the match. And it's like, this would not have happened a decade ago. Like, the match would start off slow and as, as it went on and on and on, you know, more moves would be done and then it would come to this climax of, of hitting one signature and one finisher and that, that would be the game. But now it's like you need to hit two or three on on someone to, to win. It does, it just, as you say, it takes away the, the legitimacy of it. I think the perfect example of someone doing this perfectly and not actually going into that uh, would be New Japan Pro Wrestling with Kenny Omega versus Okada. Okada, yeah. It was a 60-minute Ironman match, I believe, and there wasn't a single finisher hit, and it still got five stars. That's the potential of other indie companies and what WWE could do uh, in the future. I just don't see it happening with WWE specifically. Yeah. Um. Okay, let's move on. Um, on Raw, a couple of weeks ago, uh, the Riot Squad took on Billy Kay and Peyton Royce, the Iconics. Um, I believe the match was the losers have to disband. Uh, the Iconics lost, they had to disband. Where do we see this going? Um, they've been featured on television in the last couple of weeks since their Cup. What do we think is going to happen here? Where do we see it going? Um, well, it's it's difficult because when that report came out about Vince has said to a couple of wrestlers that you know he really likes them. One of them was Peyton Royce, but I didn't expect them to break her up from Billy Kay because they're so much alike. Yeah, um, you know it's not something I expected either. Um. Especially because of how close they actually are in real life. It's like, uh, would it not be better to build them up? I don't even know. Did they have a run as a tag team champions? It's like, or, you know, a decent run. It's like the amount of things you could have done with them are, are endless. Um, I don't know what you guys think about that. They had the um, they had the women's tag team titles and for like a very long time, but didn't defend them for the longest time. I feel like Billy Kane now has nothing since she lost to Peyton Royce. Uh, Peyton Royce could be a star. I think they tried to portray her as that um, with Oscar last night. She was kicking out of stuff that other people wouldn't kick out of. She was reversing stuff. 
and then they got interrupted by Selena Vega. I've I've got a good feeling about Peyton Royce. I've always been a big fan of Peyton. I do think she does need some work in the ring, um, but I I think very highly of it. If you don't believe me, ask Bailey on Twitter. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, okay, JJ, you get anything to add? Not really. Um, I mean, on my perspective, I think uh, that Peyton Royce and they've been a they've been a tag team forever, and I kind of want to see where they're going. Okay. I agree with that. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, the next topic of conversation is the. Team. Did you mention the Riot Squad, by the way? Yeah, I did. Um, oh, I'm sorry. Um, yeah, can I talk about them quickly? Yeah, I'm about um, to move on to them. I, I am a massive fan of the Riot Squad, Ruby Riot. Um, not as big on Liv Morgan as most people are, but whatever. I'm more into I'm more into like Ruby Riot's in ring ability, and her promos are actually very underrated. Yeah. Um, I think they're. I think they're a lot better without Sarah Logan. That's not a knock on Sarah Logan. I'm a massive fan of her too. Um, but it's more like they're just friends now and they're just teaming and it just feels organic that like it's not, oh, I'm a monster who puts on this makeup and I'm indestructible. Oh, I'm a monster and I'm going to throw you out the ring through the announce table into spikes. Oh, I'm this demon king that's going to footstomp you through a, two tables. Now they're just friends and it's just refreshing to see something normal. Yeah. No, that's that's my sentiments exactly. I'm a big fan of the Riot Squad. Um, never used to be, um, but but I'm now. Um, Lewis, what's your thoughts? Um, I'm a huge fan of Liv Morgan, so I'm happy to see it. I, I just feel bad for um, Sarah Logan. I mean, <laughs> they're back now, but I don't know. Is she released? Was she one of them? Say that again, sir. Was um, Sarah Logan one of them released? Um, I'm not sure if she was released. I know that she's no longer. She is released. That's just a kick in the face to her, really. Yeah. Um, Especially to have brought it back. Um, Okay. Uh, Any more comments on the right squad before we move on? I still don't like the fact there's two T's. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, that is weird. eh? I've, I've actually just noticed that myself there. Wow. Okay, that's annoying. <laughs> right, that's just a tactical CD. Um, okay, uh, got a few more topics to talk about, but let's move on to Shayna Baszler and Nia Jax. Can I just start off by saying, as much as I admire Shayna Baszler's ability in the ring, and I admire Nia, ba- Nia Jax's uh, attempts to have an ability in the ring, it really bugs me that they've put two of the, you know, most sort of irritating personalities together. If anybody's ever watched Total Divas, sadly admitting that I've done this, um, but Nia Jax is one of the most irritating, most annoying people you're ever going to see on television. I mean, just an absolute moan merchant. Out. She bugs the hell out of me. Um, and, you know, to put her with Shayna Baszler... Uh, I don't know. It's not for me. It really, really bugs me. Okay. Um, again, watching NXT, I've seen Shane, Shayna Baszler have terrific matches. And 
I actually think she is, unlike Nia Jax, has got to be one of the safest and most professional workers in the company for what she does, like stomping on, the, stomping on an ankle in a really weird position and not really hurting anybody. I've got to give her credit for that. Um, the fact that she has no personality is, I think that's her charm. She came from MMA. I think just going in and beating everyone up. And now she isn't like unstoppable evil. She's just putting on really good matches. I think it's amazing. Um, Nia Jax. Um, she, has no, she has no ability, has no personality, extremely dangerous in the ring. And she's un- unapologetic about it. Wow. I can't say anything else about that. <laughs> Don't hold back. Um, okay, when I say admire her attempts to have ability in the ring, I was trying to be nice, but you've just totally, you know, ripped the plaster right off of that one. Um, yeah, she's not safe at all. Um, I, I I don't know, I can't believe she was pushed as women's champion at one point. I can't believe she won the title from Alexa Bliss at WrestleMania 34. Um, yeah, probably less said about Nia Jax, the better. Um, apart from she's a pain in the arse. Um, okay, um, what we're going to do is we're going to move on. Um, you know, we've covered quite a lot of talking points there. Um, so what I'm going to do... Thought I had myself on temporary mute there, so I was holding the space bar and it wasn't letting me do anything. Um, what we can do is we can move up. JJ had a couple of talking points that we've not spoke about. Um, there's one talking point that I'm going to keep to the very last, um, and we'll cover that last because I think it's appropriate to do it that way. Um, okay, so what are our thoughts then? Moving over from WWE a little bit, let's move over to AEW. Um, what, are we, what do we think about Miro's debut? Um, do we think it was great? Do we think it was, you know, something good? Are we happy to see it? Or was it underwhelming? What's your guys' thoughts? I think, I think it was very underwhelming. He was brought in as the, the best man. And it was just, it, I don't know. It was, to, I, I think he was brought in to be the butt of somebody's joke. And then that joke just keeps going. Like it's, it's not, I'm Miro and I'm here to kick ass. It's I'm the best man. And that was the butt of the joke because I was trying to find the best man to the wedding. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm completely opposite. Um, I think Miro had an amazing promo uh, mentioning WWE. I don't always think that's a great idea, but it was just great to see him so happy rather than caged into this WWE system. I always like to see Kip Sabian. Um, I, to be honest, I think Penelope Ford is trash. But I think you can have this bubbly personality whilst being a bad character, yet still kick ass. I don't think you just need to be stare a hole through someone and then kill them. He's an amazing performer. I still think he has the potential to be a main champion. I'm very happy to see him there. I really enjoyed his promo. Um you know, for me, I, I like the fact that he took a shot at WWE um, and, you know, the crowd were, were delighted to, to see him. Um, I thought it was good. I, I enjoyed it and I'm I'm looking forward to see what else um, he's, he's able to do now that he's, he's sort of got a little bit of freedom around him. Um, Lewis, what's your thoughts? 
Um, I'm the opposite when it comes to the promo. I don't really like it because I just think you're just being as bad as Vince there because it's something he would do. Um, but it, as far as like, because I expected so much more because it is, you know, Miro. And it just it didn't really live up to the hype of him debuting, really. Yeah, I I think we just need to give it more time. I think we're judging it based on a promo. I think we need to wait for a match. I don't know if he's already had one, but I think I don't really consider it a debut. I consider it more of a introduction. I know it means the same thing, but yeah, I think you need to wait on a performance rather than a I'm here. Yeah, no, I, I get what you're saying. Um, okay, moving away from, from Miro's debut in AEW, what's our thoughts on Hangman Page and Kenny Omega's future? Let's let's talk about that. I think, personally, I think that Hangman and Adam Page have both been elevated to levels. I think Kenny... Did I say both Hangman and Adam Page? Jeez, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> I think both Kenny Omega and Hangman Adam Page have both been elevated because of their tag title reign. But the issue is they're still playing into the whole Hangman is a drunk, that's all he is. And, I mean, it's I love Hangman. I love his moveset. But, like, I don't know. I thought at first they were going for the whole grizzled, cool cowboy thing. And then now it's just sad drunk. And I, I'm happy he's doing more in matches and, and doing good. But they need to stray away from the sad drunk stuff and just be a grizzled cowboy who ain't need nobody. Obviously, if they're not going to get back together. And Kenny, oof, I'm just waiting for that cleaner to come back, man. Like, it's it's going to be so awesome to have, a, like, a straightforward heel in, in AEW that's not just giant and what i mean by that is like just lance archer and and uh cage and and taz's group just somebody who i get he's a bigger guy but like just he's great on the mic his move set is fantastic and i feel he really does get into it when he's a heel and to have that on tv it's going to be way better than what we've had uh, before <laughs> with kenny um any other comments on that I will say when he first came out to um, obviously stop Young Bucks from winning against FTR, I was like, I was interested to see how they span that. And when uh, Young Bucks said, you know, you're not in the elite anymore, and it panned to a camera and Hangman Adam Page was just staring at a broken glass, I thought that meant more than it did. But I don't really think it does anymore. But as far as, in, you know, Kenny Omega, I cannot wait Um, Kenny Omega obviously one of the uh, best performers in the world today I think everyone just expected more when he came over to AEW more like a uh, kind of like a Chris Jericho signing like probably people thought he was going to be like the first world champion he was just going to carry the company Um, but I feel like he can easily do that on his own without the cleaner without a bullet club without an Okada I think the world of Omega and I'm really excited to see him on his own again as much as I love the tag team my main point is Hangman Page. Um, honestly, believe he's one of the most interesting characters that AEW have, or one of the most interesting characters in wrestling in general. He has like this. He's sometimes very confused. He does bad things, but then he 
feel sorry about it. He's very, it's a very emotional character. Um, it's very refreshing to see. It's almost like he's getting in touch with his, um, getting in touch with his feminine side. And I just don't feel like you see that enough in wrestling today. They have to be strong. They have to be focused. They have to be focused on their priorities and they have to kill somebody. I think like Hangman Page is very, I feel like it's, it's a very thought out character. And I just, I love it. I just, I feel like he's a star coming out of this. Okay. Uh, any final thoughts on that? Uh, I just remember both of these guys having great matches separately. Um, for instance, to touch on what Kenny said, he doesn't King uh, Kenny Omega doesn't need too much to just be the star of the show. Uh, for instance, I think I, I blew up on all of you guys about the Kenny Omega Joey Janela match that happened like within either the first or second dark and. I still love that match every time I watch it because of how special it was and it has nothing to do with the characters. And I just think it's going to add more having just the cleaner on TV, but being with hangman, I don't, I don't know how great this character is, man. Like, I feel like I get it. If he's going to be emotionally driven and that's fine, but like, I don't know. I feel it, there needs to be a little bit more, like I said, grit to him than just I'm upset because I did some bad things so now I'm going to drink. It just promotes way more bad ideals than a curb stomp would. So, I don't know. Okay. Um, let's... I, don't think, I don't think in wrestling you have to... I, just like I don't think every celebrity has to... Just because they're popular, they have to spread good messages. I don't feel like wrestling has to be used to spread good ideals i i think it's really refreshing to see the other side of the spectrum and talking about his in-ring in-ring ability i think he's one of the most not underrated but one of the most unknown talents today he doesn't really put a foot wrong in the ring correct like i agree with you he's um, despite me criticizing the character, like I was talking, I think I was talking to you earlier about it today. I was like, I was so happy when they became tag team champs because separately they're my favorite wrestlers in all of AEW, but together they were just like, that's like, how often do you get your two favorites to be uh, a tag team? So I thought it was cool. <laughs> Can you guys hear me? Yep. Okay. Um, all right, let's move on um, to one of our final, you know, couple of talking points. Um, WWE um, recently banned their stars from, you know, doing stuff on Cameo, from making money on it. I think Paige tweeted out, you know, her dismay at it. Um, but now they're doing, WWE are doing virtual meet and greets, you know, after they've banned Cameo. What do we think on that? I'm just going to jump in quickly because I don't really have much to say on it. Um, everyone's just changing their names on social media and I just don't feel like anything changes. I I think that WWE trying to keep like everything in-house is, is stupid because you're not expanding your audience. You're just milking 
more from your audience. You know what I'm saying? Like you could bring in somebody off Twitch who would never watched wrestling, but if they like AJ Styles for playing games, right, they might fall in love with wrestling afterwards because of the cool personality. And they don't seem to get that point. They just want to make it all in house. And it's what made rock, the rock famous was more people outside of wrestling got to see how cool he was what made stone cold famous was how he connected with the everyday man not how the everyday man's life was oh i love wrestling this guy is is just making wrestling about everyday life like no it's his everyday life connected with wrestler with with fans like it was like hey i hate my boss too it's like everyday life connected with wrestling you know what i'm saying yeah and it's you're you're kind of throwing that aspect away. You just want WWE fans to come and connect with WWE wrestlers instead of trying to outsource and build up your larger audience. Yeah. No, I agree I with that. I think it's very cool as well that AEW kind of rebelled against it. Um, in their all-out pay-per-view, they had like this little joke with Kip Sabian. He has his Twitch channel, as well as Miro, and they had like this little disclaimer, like we're completely supportive of the Twitch channel. Uh, we approve of this message, and I just think it's great that they're supporting other work outside of wrestling. Like wrestling is the be-all yeah. end-all, you know. No, I agree. Um, I don't think WWE should be you know, taking this away from, you know, people wanting to make more money, but also wanting to to kind of introduce new fans to the, sorry, new audience and to the business. I, I feel like it's a very much lose-lose situation for, for WWE. Um, moving on, just finally to um, our, our second to last point. Um, obviously, w, sorry, obviously, WWE, uh, unveiled the Thunderdome, which is at the Amway Center in Orlando, Florida. But well, what do we make of this? Is it is it better than being at the Performance Center? You know, you've got fans can now go and be there virtually. What do we think of it? I think I think it's a hundred percent way better than just having the few fans behind the plexiglass. Like it was looking like a, a, a opposite of an elimination chamber where it was just it was weird. Um, so, and it was just annoying watching Raw and you just hear the pound, 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 pound of the plexiglass and you're just sitting there and it's just distracting. And even I, I felt like aesthetically pleasing was the, the, I'm sorry, the Thunderdome was way more aesthetically pleasing than just the empty-ish kind of um, performance center because like it's you get to see the fans it looks more professional because the nfl uh because the nba is doing it and stuff like that and it's like it relates to other sports the nhl is doing it and it's like it makes it more official it makes the brand bigger and whatever's doing that is really good for the overall look of the company and it's these these fans can really get into it you're seeing these one-on-one reactions where you can get these actual connections with with the fans like you're like oh my god this is crazy and you're seeing on tv everybody else is like thinking it's crazy instead of just seeing a wave of people and hearing it it's a different fan experience because you're usually like i think 
I get you get to see the fans and like react and stuff, but it's usually a lot of audio stuff. Like you'll hear the boos, you'll hear the chants, and that's what everyone bases the fans off of like everything iconic. Like I feel like though the what chants became crazy disruptive on TV, but like it was iconic of, of WWE and that's what the fans did, how they interact with people. But now during Corona, it's all visual and you, the fans are right there. If they like you or not, you're going to see it. If they like the segment or not, you're going to see it. And it's not just like an occasional crowd. These are people sitting at home watching like your, your product. It's not the people who are going to buy a ticket to come out see Raw because it's in town once a month. These are your sit-down-at-home people who are your main audience are telling you directly whether or not they like something, you know? Um, yeah, I'm, I'm sort of the same. I just, I, I don't really think it makes a difference in my opinion, only because I didn't mind it when it was performance center or where it is now. It's, I, th- I think you can tell there's more space, which is always a good thing. Um, but uh, I, I 100% agree about the sports thing because everyone else is doing it. So it, you know, it makes it ten times better for WWE if they do it. I suppose it throws back a little bit of normality um, because you're you're in a bigger arena. It feels like things are, you know, it feels like you know it's getting back to normal. Um, it, for me, obviously, you've got the LED boards and the fans are there virtually, but I still think it's 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 better than than definitely being at um, at the performance center. I I, I really didn't like that um, period during the performance center it put me off watching it a little bit that, that's how much I disliked it um, any final thoughts on this before we move on to our final subject I hate to be the bummer here I completely dislike it um, I like the fact that I think the only downfall of not having it there is that you don't see genuine reactions um, but apart from that everything else I just don't like I think the perfect example is how AEW have done it. I feel like it's a, I feel like it's it's almost ingenious um, what they did with some of their superstars on the side, and they used it as like character development. Um, for Absolutely. example, the best one they did was Britt Baker, who had some of her best moments in the crowd with um, Giovanni and Rebel, and it was just she was hilarious. I feel like it really helped her character, even while she was injured. Uh, but in the in the Thunderdome, I find all the pictures. I feel like it does the complete opposite. I feel like it distra- I feel like it distracts me from the wrestling, and I'm just looking at to see if anyone's putting like a Chris Benoit on the screen or a Kenny Omega. Um, but another thing that really annoys me about it, it really gets on my tits, is the fact that it gives Michael Cole more opportunities to say annoying stuff. Um, I'm just going to completely make something up now. We're in the Thunderdome. Here comes the big dog in the Thunderdome. Roman Reigns hits a Superman punch in the Thunderdome. It's a spear in the Thunderdome. One, two, three in the Thunderdome. It pisses me off. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, I get that aspect of it. That bugs me too. It will bug me. I don't, I don't know if you can tell. I really don't like it. <laughs> um, okay, so on to our final topic of the night um i think it's only fitting that, that we end it in in this way and obviously earlier on today the the sad news uh you know came out on social media that road war uh, 
road warrior animal uh, had passed away. Um, you know, obviously, you know, he had one hell of a career, um, you know, just from from memory, you know, in WWE, you know, he was, you know, legendary with uh, with Road Warrior Hawk. Um, you know, they were two-time WWF Tag Team Champions, um, and I think he was he was a one-time WWE Tag Team Champion with Heidenreich. You know, a Hall of Famer. He's won multiple championships in multiple different countries. Uh, sorry, companies. Um, and just to give your thoughts, you know, um, on that, what what were your your thoughts about Road Warrior Animal and his career? Um, I'll I'll start with this. I think it's mainly sad that both him and Hulk are dead. One of the most legendary, influential tag teams that has ever come across, ever ever stepped foot in a wrestling ring, and you you see elements of it today with additional flips and stuff but it's mainly teams like the road warriors and tully blanchard and was it arn anderson i think so yeah uh it's very sad to see not necessarily who i grew up watching but seeing teams that were so important to the business come and go and it's just a sad thing in life that we're just having to deal with. And he he will be remembered for a very long time because it's elements you see in the wrestlers today. And I think that's one of the best things that could be said about you as a performer. Okay. Um, yeah, it's a fitting um, tribute to, to play there, Kenny, to say. Um, JJ, Lewis, any, any remarks? I feel like the Road Warriors were the coolest tag team. Like, when you, at least, I don't know, I grew up playing, like, there was Legends of WrestleMania, and, like, I, I played, like, the earlier WWE games, and, like, seeing them on the, like, they, were, they always talk about, at least, on the Warriors on, I'm sorry, they'd always talk about the Road Warriors on, on Raw, at least they showed flashbacks right before their Hall of Fame induction, you know? And... It was, they were just uh, so cool, like, to see them with the spiked shoulder pads, to see them just out there wrecking house. Their finisher is one of, if not the best tag team finisher combo ever. And to to be, leave that big of a legacy on people who didn't even grow up in that time period is, is insane. To, to have them legitimately be remembered no matter by when they're still going to be remembered like no matter what they're going to have new people born fall in love with wrestling still hear about the road warriors still see just where they were in wcw getting titles every single place they went and it's i just i think they made their mark and but to not be able to sorry i think they made their mark and it's just a shame that their lives like ended so shortly. Yeah, I'm. I'm the same. I'm just. I'm happy if, at once at least when I was watching wrestling, I got to see him. Um, if you recall the uh, Heath Slater's thing where he used to get beaten up by legends. I mean, it was brief, but was that at Raw One Thousand? Yeah, it's it's always good to see you know when they come back for those appearances. Um, like you just wish you would have been born 
sooner so you could have watched it because you know back then you're getting road warriors but nowadays you get the ascension i mean it's just it, it's very upsetting that um they've obviously gone too soon yeah especially really young i think he was only 60 um, when he died um, what I found really sad was he wished his wife a, a happy anniversary late last night or yesterday and then obviously passed away today. I seen that on Twitter. I was like, that's really sad. Um, you know, nonetheless, RIP to, to one of the you know most remarkable and legendary people to ever to be in the business. Um, you know, my thoughts and prayers are, are with his family. Um, that is it for this first episode of the Kickout podcast um i have i've enjoyed it uh, i don't know about you guys yeah it was nice having a chat about wrestling uh it'd be fun to do this next time you know yeah definitely um uh if you haven't already done so then i guess just follow us on twitter at it's the kickout um so i assume a couple of us will be on there covering the wrestling throughout the night um, tonight for AEW, uh, Friday for SmackDown and Raw's for Monday, uh, or Monday's for Raw. Um, so a whole load of, load of stuff will be going on over there, so just enjoy. Um, we also do have a website that we're working on, and uh, in the near future, articles will be posted up there. Um, so, yeah, got a whole load of stuff coming. This podcast is only the start of it, um, and we hope that you'll join us next time. Yeah.